So everyone we deliver to is a, is, was essentially a public place that overnight either became restricted, private, or closed. We went from a $4 billion corporation to virtually zero revenue um, in about a week and a half. The immediate thought is how do we ensure the safety of our employees? How do we ensure the safety of the employees of the hospitals we serve? And within that, how do we ensure this supply chain continues to flow, that they get the materials that they need? We really took the challenge of, man, this is, a, this is not to the end of time. This is a moment in time. This is a defining moment. We attacked it head on, and I think we've, uh, we've represented our industry quite well. Hi, it's Brian Denton with ProAct, and this is a special edition of the Colorful Plates podcast. Our regular podcasts feature updates from fresh produce suppliers, distributors, and chefs in an effort to share relevant information about the ever-changing fresh produce world while giving culinary teams inspiration around ways to use that produce in the kitchen. But the next few episodes are going to be a bit different and we think more relevant to the world that we're living in today. During the last few weeks, the shelter-in-place orders have been rolled out across North America in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Food service establishments from coast to coast have closed their doors, furloughed workers, and in most cases, made dramatic departures from the way that they serve their communities. During this special series, we're gonna hear from industry leaders at the forefront of these changes, how they're responding, supporting the communities they serve, and preparing to reopen. ProAct's Vice President of Client Services, Christy Waters, spoke by phone with seven food service veterans to understand how decisions are being made and what the path forward might look like. Joan DeLeo, President of Old Time, a fresh food distributor in St. Louis, serving food service and retail companies in Missouri and Illinois for almost 50 years. Todd Evans and Stephen Fries, the Vice President of Procurement and Purchasing Directors of Sage Dining Services, working with private K-12 schools and colleges in 38 states in Canada. Matt Saxton, co-CEO of the Saxton Group, operating almost 90 McAllister delis in five states. Steve Harrington, the CPO of Delaware North, the largest privately held hospitality company in the world, with 55,000 employees operating in gaming, lodging, travel, park, sports, and restaurant venues. David Gillen, the Senior Vice President of Sourcing Operations for Vizient, which represents 3,300 hospitals in North America. Michael Turner, the Senior Vice President of Culinary Supply Chain for Walk-On Sports Bistro and Bar, with almost 100 locations in 15 states. Today, we look at how companies responded to the crisis, beginning with Michael Turner. Well, I think like most restaurant companies and all businesses, we were a little shocked. You know, I had been watching the COVID-19 and the coronavirus outbreak from a manufacturing standpoint, you know, in December and what that was going to do to the impacts of items that we buy coming out of China, you know, uh, some, some paper goods, some plastics, some plastics and stuff like that. So we were following it. And as it started to kind of grow its way throughout the world and into the U.S., you know, our team did a great job really starting to prepare themselves for that. You know, we we went ahead and, and procured, you know, sanitation stations for our restaurants. We went out and bought peroxide. We did all of the things that we could do prior to this happening. So we had that in place and we really started social distancing and, and the additional peroxide cleaning of tables prior to the governor announcing the closures in certain states and also the, the, the president. Matt Saxton, the Saxton Group. Since we operate in six different states, it was kind of a slow adoption. Uh, each state sort of uh, obviously is mandated by the governor and kind of counties uh, underneath that. And, and slowly it became uh, where we maybe had 10 or 15 restaurants with dining rooms closed, 
to half our restaurants the following week. And then by really the end of March, the third, you know, the 21st to the 25th is when all of our dining rooms had to be closed. So it was, uh, it was quite a surprise for us. You know, it was just, we were very surprised on how quickly they were able to shutter their dining rooms. And at that point we really came into crisis mode. Really. We had a lot of people reaching out. What does this mean for us? Obviously the closed of dining rooms cost us about 60% of our business. So it started really that, that second, third week is when we saw uh, more than half of our business go away. David Gillen, Vizient. We've had other pandemics, uh, H1N1, things of that nature, but nothing to this scale and magnitude. So when we started getting early indications, uh, mid-January, end of January, that there was the potential for this, we started staging. But nobody anticipated the magnitude. So this is actually week seven for us of working from home. And a good number of those weeks have been the shelter in place. And so we've really had to look at, at things quite a bit differently. And from our perspective, the immediate thought is how do we ensure the safety of our employees? How do we ensure the safety of the employees of the hospitals we serve? And within that, how do we ensure this supply chain continues to flow, that they get the materials that they need? And immediately you saw in the news this this discussion of PPE, things like N95 masks and isolation gowns, safety and protection for employees and, and patients. So that became our immediate concern. And we established a disaster response center to begin to manage proactively identifying what is happening on the front line. And we'll talk in a bit about what that is extended out to, but it was immediately buckle down, ensure safety of employees, ensure safety of our member hospital employees, and make certain they have the materials they need to provide care for these patients. And at that time, we didn't know what that would mean in terms of the volume of patients, but we were anticipating the worst and ensuring they had those products that they needed across the line. Steve Harrington, Delaware North. I meet with about 20 of our most um, closely partnered, um, both from a revenue and just, um, um, you know, partnership standpoint vendors every week. And the story that I ever, I tell everyone is, um, I remember sitting and watching Mark Cuban react to the NBA season being canceled. Um, and obviously as a hospitality company, we were very aware of the potentials that were out there. But between the time that you saw the video of Mark Cuban reacting to the NBA and about a week and a half later, um, we went from a $4 billion corporation to virtually zero revenue um, in about a week and a half. So certainly the impact was dramatic and quick. Um, but I would say, you know, our leadership team reacted also very swiftly um, in doing the same things that I'm sure everybody throughout our industry has been doing, whether it's, you know, immediately reducing expenses, um, addressing, you know, any partnerships that are long term that, you know, no longer are needed, at least temporarily, um, furloughing associates, um, all the things needed to sustain business till we get to the other side of this thing. Todd Evans, Sage Dining. So I think just like uh, many others, ours was a little bit of disbelief and not sure where this was headed. But our reaction was uh, driven primarily by input from our clients. So as client schools started shutting down, 
we started getting our hands around the gravity of the situation. We saw a wave of reality kind of go across the country. Uh, we may have had parts of the country respond more quickly uh, to the shutdown notices, and we still had um, states that held out for a little while. So we did have this wave, and that that sort of made us measure our response a bit as well until this got a little further along. Personally, I think it was very emotionally driven uh, initially. Um, a lot of um, major events were going to be canceled because of all these closures. So we did have a lot of emotion in it, and now I think the emotion has kind of settled out. Joan DeLeo, Old Time. All of food service is highly reliant on, it's a public um, service. So everyone we deliver to is a, is, was essentially a public place that overnight either became restricted, private, or closed. And so I think anyone's initial reaction is um, shock and awe. And then, then you have to begin, you know, that's, that's sort of a reaction. And then you have to, to step back and, and figure out what does that mean? The first reaction it's not exactly emotional. I'd say you're almost going on um, some kind of weird adrenaline to basically give away food that you have rather than let it be dumped because you know you're going to dump it. At that point, by Tuesday, Wednesday, we realized, hey, this is we have ground to a complete screeching halt, and the only way to deal with that is to get this food to somebody. And But the problem was at that point, Many people didn't realize how serious things were yet in this area. And we actually had people that refused donations. So that was uh, kind of the initial response we had. So once we got past the inventory, the very next thing we did by Thursday afternoon, so we're now sitting on the 19th. <laughs> um, so by the 19th, we had pivoted to direct-to-consumer and we had a website up and we sold our first product direct to consumer on the 19th. So it took us, you know, three, three days basically to triage and pivot. Michael Turner, walk-ons. Well, when this closure happened, you know, there's, there's two things that you can do. You can either sit back and see what's going to happen or you can have that walk-ons mentality and just charge in and try anything and never stop, which is what we did. And our team went to work very quickly on creating family-style meals, which we had never done before. So we created a whole new list of family-style options that you could take, uh, you could pick up in our restaurants and take home with generous portions of some of our signature items and bistro specialties that you could feed your family. We also created some take-and-bake items that you could pre-order and you could pick those up, pop those in your oven with some quick instructions and then you could, you could feed a family of four to six. We created, like a lot of concepts did, uh, our, our bodega market, a or, you know, grocery store restaurant where you could order certain things online and come and pick those up. In the areas where we had our food trailers, we, we got our food trailers out in the communities and we started serving people in these neighborhoods. We started dropping off food to the elderly that were afraid to leave their homes. And you could also order our take and bake items um, or our family four items or anything that we had available, you could, you could order and we would deliver that to you as we were in those neighborhoods with our food traders and food trucks. Um, and then finally, we ramped up our third party and to-go business, huge. You know, we already had a pretty healthy to-go and third party business as it was. Our packaging and to-go was already custom built for this kind of volume that we're doing. So it was very easy for us to flip that model and really convert a lot of our restaurants to drive up 
to go windows because we all of our restaurants are built for uh, take a separate takeout area. So it was very easy for us to create a stream to be able to get the food out quickly and efficiently to people who are waiting in their cars or our third party delivery drivers. Uh, and now we're in the process of starting to plan our reopening process and procedures. So I think we we really took the challenge of, man, this is a this is not to the end of time. This is a moment in time. This is a defining moment that's going to show the true walk on spirit. And we attacked we attacked it head on. And I think we've uh, we've represented ourselves, ourselves in our industry quite well. As this crisis has moved from initial confusion to reaction to resolve, food service companies begin working in their communities and preparing for the future. During the next podcast, we hear how these leaders began making changes and positioning companies to meet these challenges. ProAct and our produce partners immediately began working together to bring fresh produce in repacked boxes to healthcare workers at hospitals at the epicenter of this crisis. With over 10,000 boxes being distributed in New York City, Boston, New Orleans, New Jersey, Atlanta, Cleveland, Detroit, Los Angeles, St. Louis, Dallas, Philadelphia, and Houston, we're now moving to bring fresh produce boxes to those left in the wake of the economic downturn through partnerships with nonprofits. To find out more about these efforts and join with us, visit producepartners.org. Thanks for listening. Make sure to rate and review us so that others can find this podcast and subscribe so that you can hear the rest of this series. 